What are the great lights? Genesis 1.15 And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Verse 15 is describing two different forms of light from one source of light. It's describing direct light, let them be for lights, and reflected light, to give light. We see these lights, but we also see the light that these lights give to the other objects that don't radiate on their own. As explained in Context is Everything, the fullest meaning of this verse is that the lights in the heavens are to shed light upon matter in the universe. The stars allow us to see great clouds of gases as well as other matter in space. Much of this can only be seen with specialized instruments, but they serve the purpose just the same. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the, the stars also, Genesis 1:16. God names the light day, the darkness night, the firmament heaven, and the land earth, and the water sea, but doesn't name the greater and lesser lights. Why do you suppose that is? Many seem to play this down, but I think it's a significant point. What many will suggest is the reason is to show that God is greater than the other gods of the sun and moon. The argument is that Moses was writing in a way to diss them. I don't think that's the reason at all. I can make a good case that this scripture is older than Moses by a lot, but I'll save that for a later post. These greater and lesser lights represent more than just the sun and moon. They are archetypes. Yes, they can apply to the sun and the moon on the most elementary level, yet they are intentionally left open-ended to represent more. What else could they represent? As we look past our immediate solar family, we can see a larger pattern in the universe. There are two main objects in the universe that overwhelmingly fit these archetypes. They are stars and what Einstein called dark stars. The stars rule the day, and the dark stars, or as we know them, black holes, rule the night, which is what the darkness is called. The darkness are the forces expressed in space as gravity and dark energy, as I proposed in, this, in the blog in the series called What is the Darkness? What's interesting is that the lesser light, by ruling the night, based on my interpretation of the darkness, should express itself in part with the predominant feature of gravity. That is exactly the predominant feature that is associated with black holes. Not only are they known for their tremendous gravity compared to their size, but they bend space until it breaks. This is called an event horizon. There's Another distinction laid out in the text that helps further identify the lesser light. The sentence translated, and he made the stars also, is a phrase that doesn't have the words he made in Hebrew. It would be rendered, and the stars also. You'll notice in the KJV that the words he made are italicized. That's because the translators added those words in there to give clarity to what they thought it meant but had the respect for the scriptures to distinguish their additional words from the actual text. And the stars also refers to the lesser light. The lesser light rules the stars also. 
This application makes sense no matter what level you apply it to. Even the moon phenomenologically rules the stars also, in that it is greater in brightness than the stars. Black holes rule stars in that they will destroy a star if it gets close enough to one. You might ask, but black holes can't emit light, so they can't qualify as the lesser light. Firstly, the word lights in Hebrew isn't a, as similar as our words in English and simply mean luminaries, a category that could include planets which don't actually produce any light on their own. Yet even if that was a qualification, they do indeed emit light, even though most light cannot escape a black hole. This light is called Hawking radiation. It may be the faintest possible light that exists and is barely detectable. It illustrates the spectrum of possibility and contrasts in the universe stars emitting the greatest light in the universe and black holes emitting the least amount. The contrast is even more complete. Stars are also greater in number and greater in size. The greater light is greater in every way except for its comparative rule of the darkness. There's one more application and it lends itself to identifying the third force of the darkness. That is the lesser light representing galaxies. Galaxies from our perspective are lesser lights in the sky. We can only see two with the naked eye part of our own and the Andromeda galaxy. Yet with the aid of a telescope, the night sky has two great lights, the greater lights, stars, of which our sun is one of them, and the lesser lights, galaxies, which our sun and all stars are a part of. Galaxies rule the stars in a literal sense in that they govern where they go. I brought this up with Frederick Adams, and he pointed out that a galaxy isn't a, an object per se, but supermassive black holes are believed to be in the middle of every galaxy. That would place them at the center of control over the stars. This is another application of how the lesser light rules the stars also. As interesting as all that may be, there is one more thing that is even more fascinating. Applying the lesser light to galaxies with the black hole in the middle fits well enough ruling the stars and ruling the stars through gravity, but the text says that the lesser light rules over the night. In my application, consistent all the way through the text, the darkness are the forces expressed in space, including both gravity and dark energy. If black holes forming galaxies rule over the darkness, that would imply that they would have dominion over the darkness, which means the lesser light could modify these forces somehow, both forces. What astrophysicists have found in, is that galaxies don't rotate like they should based on all current understanding of gravity. They conclude that either our understanding of gravity doesn't work the same on that level, a theory called Mons, or there is hidden mass that seems to be orbiting on the outside of uh, galaxies that make the stars rotate faster than they should. Whether there is even a, a something called dark matter is still in question. See a video link in the blog version here. What is clear is the manifestation of the darkness in space through the inward and outward forces called gravity and dark energy. 
What isn't clear yet is what is happening on the galactic scale in between those two forces. If the lesser light rules the night, i.e. gravity and dark energy, then it should be able to change their natural pattern as it were. This seems to be what is happening that astrophysicists call dark matter. What it is is an apparent warping of physics as they are known today. That sounds very familiar to the wording found in Genesis 1.16. The lesser light rules the night, gravity and dark energy, and the stars also. What physicists may not have figured out yet. The forces of light express themselves in matter through the nuclear forces and electromagnetism. I'm not making this stuff up. This is actual science. What I'm adding to that, that canonical science uh, may realize someday and can be inferred in the Bible, is that the darkness expresses itself in space via gravity, dark matter, and dark energy. These three forces, I believe, are just as related to each other as the forces of light. Perhaps the reason they haven't been called forces like the four that are known is that they operate on such large scales. The pattern is clear. Starting with the strong nuclear force, each force is weaker than the next in close proximity but affects things on greater distances. Keeping this pattern in mind, remembering the division of light and darkness, identifying the three forces associated with light, and recognizing, like my friend Frederick Adams did, that there must also be three forces of darkness for symmetry purposes, it all falls into place. If each force has an equivalent force particle which is already established for the first three forces, we might reasonably expect that there exists equivalent force particles for the darkness. The graviton is already a theoretical particle of gravity, but hasn't been directly proven, although some say the, the gravity waves do prove it. If we extrapolate the other two, we might see evidence of these force particles at higher scales. This may be what dark matter is. Genesis 1, 17 through 19. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. The English word set gives people the idea that God stuck each light in some place in the sky with his fingers. This isn't how the Hebrew communicates it. The Hebrew word is closer to give or let. So it would be, and God let them in the firmament of the heaven. Since it sounds unnatural to say it that way, most translators use the word set. The reason I bring this up is some might imagine a static empty space that God just places objects into. This would be inconsistent with the text as verse 6 describes a dynamic growing space and verse 9 describes matter forming in different ways. The lights in the firmament of the heavens are developing in the same way. They are the waters above, mentioned on day two. Verses 17 and 18 are summarizing the main functions of the lights. Ruling over the day is nuclear fusion. 
the action of ruling or actively manipulating the forces of light, which the stars do, ruling over the night is manipulating the dark forces to the point of breaking the fabric of space, which black holes do. Dividing the light from the darkness is showing the distinction between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. We can only know about these dark forces from the observations of the lights in the firmament of the heavens. This signifies the end of the development of the cosmos. The narrative continues with the finishing of the earth. I've included all my comments on organic creation in the post, What Made Earth a Mother, which currently I'm still writing. So, thank you for listening to this, and if you'd like to make comments, you can go to the blog version. Until next time, thanks for listening.